Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. All right, here's the deal. I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes for a moment. Think about this. She's thinking, wow, that sounds incredible. I can't believe that you picked me. I'm just this little girl from this little town that nobody knows about. And God, you're, you've sent this angel, and this angel's telling me all these wonderful things that are gonna happen to my life. Wow, God, that's incredible. And I think there's so many times that we're like that with God, where God shows up, the Spirit of the Lord shows up, and he speaks to your heart, and he says, I'm gonna heal this, I'm gonna restore this, I'm gonna help you with this, you're gonna get over this mountain. But just like Mary, right, our response is, how can this happen? How could this be? I, I, I can't figure this out. And I don't know what your moment is for you, that you're talking to God, you're going, how, God? I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what moments in your life you're thinking, how can this be, God? But let me share some of the moments in my life that I've been there where I'm like, how, God? You know, I like, God, I know you want me to forgive and move on. I know you want me to forgive my, my, my actual father. But God, how? He left me. He abandoned me. He brought so much pain and trauma to my life. And now you just want me to forgive? Oh, God, I don't understand. You know, or, or how about this one? All the married people will get this. How, God, I just don't love just the way that I did before. Anybody that's been married for any length of time knows that feeling and has gone through that feeling. And understand that that's real, that, that over a course of decades being married to somebody, there's gonna come moments where you're like, man, I just don't feel like I used to anymore. And you're like, God, how? Because I'm bitter and I'm angry, but you want me to lay my life down like you laid your life down for the church? How can this be, God? How can this happen? Lord, how can this be? The plan that you have for my life doesn't look the way I want it to look, that's for sure. You're like, how God, how, Lord, I, I watched my grandma die in my arms at 13. How? God, I watched, I watched my mom and dad split up and where are they? Where are they, God? Why aren't they here? God, God, I watched, and I, and I don't understand this, God, I watched cancer destroy my grandfather, my hero. And if that wasn't bad enough, God, I watched him die on my 11th birthday. And now every year on that day, on that supposed to be happy day, I have to deal with this every year, God, Anybody know what I'm feeling? 
And you're like, oh my gosh, this is a bummer day. Why did we come to church today? I promise you, you won't leave this way. Because here's the good news. That wasn't the end of Mary's story, nor was it the end of my story, and nor is it the end of your story, right? The Bible says what? You're gonna, the rain is gonna come on the just and the unjust, but guess what? He's good. He's real good, and he knows how to restore all things together, amen? Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. See, there's this great thing called the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's amazing. Don't be freaked out by the Holy Spirit. Don't run from the Holy Spirit. Embrace the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has lots of power and wisdom and revelation and truth and the ability to heal and restore you, amen? Okay, it's, it's powerful. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Verse 37, the angel says, not one promise from God is empty. Not one promise. There's not one place in the Word of God that you read the Word of God and you see the power of God, and it's empty of power for you. It's there to encourage you. It's there to empower you. It's there to remind you that God is for you. And then the angel says this, nothing's impossible to God. Literally nothing. No matter what you're facing today, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what season of life you're in, nothing is impossible with God. There's literally nothing. Mary's response was, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. Let me ask this question. If God didn't want to do the impossible or for us to believe in the impossible, then why did he put so many impossible moments in the word of God? Did you know that there is over 250 impossible moments, stories in the Bible where people just like me and you, just average people going through their life with their back up against the wall, having zero hope, having no idea how it would change. People just like us that were in those moments, but God said, hey, I got a plan. Why did he put those stories there? Why did he show us those moments if he didn't want us to believe? Hebrews 11, verse six, says this. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Who are we talking about? It's impossible to please God. He, he needs your faith. He, he, can I just say this? He's just looking for a little bit of faith. Sometimes he knows that you're in a really rough spot. Sometimes he knows you're in a really dark spot. And he knows that you don't have a whole lot right now. But he goes, I don't need a whole lot. I just need a little bit. I just need you to perk up just a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, you know when people are like, just smile. You know, and you're like, I don't want to smile. You know what I mean? You're like, no, you're like, just smile. And you're like, all right, dang it, I guess I'll smile, you know what I mean? And you start smiling, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden when you start smiling, what? 
all of a sudden, some things start to feel different in you. It's the same thing with God. God goes, just give me just a little bit, just a little bit. It says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is what? The God of the impossible. Do you remember when you were a kid and you asked your parents for something? You knew it was possible. I remember when my family would be like, no, we don't have the money for that. I'm like, no, that's not true. (laughs) I know, I saw your wallet the other day. There was a bunch of money in there, right? I had confidence when I was asking. God goes, I love confident people. People that are confident, not in their own life, in their own situations, but they're confident in me. They're super confident in me. And then he says, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. So he goes, I promise you, I will reward you for having persistent faith. Don't stop, right? Don't stop asking. Don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking his kingdom. Don't stop coming to the throne room of God. Don't stop. He said, if you, if you won't stop, I'll reward you. So I, I got two phrases for us today, okay? Phrase number one is this, childlike faith. And the next one is new perspective. Childlike faith and new perspectives. So point number one is childlike faith. Joshua chapter six, verse one. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. It's it's just the same thing that we heard last week with Paul and Silas. Remember, they were terrified of the power of God on Paul and Silas, so they threw them in the innermost dungeon and chained them up. Why? Because the enemy is terrified of the power of God. Oh, I got it. I should have had an amen right there, okay? Amen? He is terrified of the power of God. He is terrified of you understanding the power of God. That's what he's really scared of. So they shut the Israelites out because they were terrified of them. No one was allowed in or out, but the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong, mighty warriors. You, you and your fighting men should march around the town uh, once a day for six days. On uh, Seven priests will walk around with the Ark of the Covenant, each carrying the ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast of the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people will charge straight into town. Let me ask you a question. Write this down, okay? What is God asking you to do that makes no sense? See, I think we think that the people in in these passages in the Bible, I think we think that they were like not real smart people, right? We just kind of think that they were just ignorant, you know, people in that day and time and ages. And I guess if God said to march around a city six times and then on the seventh day march around it and then you'll shout and the horn and the walls will come down and you just go, well, I guess they were just ignorant enough to believe that, right? What's God asking you that doesn't make sense right now? 
What's God pulling on you that doesn't make sense right now? That he's going, hey, I need, I need you to do this. I know it really doesn't feel right right now. I know that, I remember a couple years ago when he started talking to me about a relationship that was broken for 10 years, and he said, hey, I want you to call these people, and I actually want you to drive to Michigan, and I want to heal and restore this if you'll be obedient to me. What's he asking? That makes no sense right now. I told Luke a couple months ago, I told Luke he loves the Sacramento Kings. Okay, there's a player named Darren, Darren Fox. And I told him, I said, when the Kings in California come over here to Chicago or Indiana, we'll, we'll go to the game, we'll watch, we'll watch the Kings game, okay? Now, let me tell you something about this. Not one time has Luke ever asked me, how is this gonna happen? How can this be, right? Not one time has he been like, Dad, um, when is it? Where is it? Um, how much is it? Do we have enough money for it? Not one time. Why? Because Luke has 100% trust in me as his father, that I'm a good father, that will provide good things to him, and he knows 100% I can trust my father, right? Right? It's the same thing with God. God's gonna ask you to do some things that don't make sense. He's gonna ask you, hey, I need you to invite that guy at work that like growls and snarls at you and he's really mean, but I need you to invite him to church. You're like, uh-uh, God. <laughs> I'm not touching that one, man, right? God will go, I, I need you to be thankful when you don't want to be thankful. I just, can I just be real with all of us? We're just in such a season in the earth that people are just so driven by their feelings and their emotions all the time. They're just feelings and their emotions. They're not truth. It's not what God said. God's going, I just need, I need you to do some things that are uncomfortable sometimes. What's God asking you to do that's uncomfortable? Is, was God speaking to you when we're talking about tithing? You're like, that's uncomfortable, God. I get it, I was there one day. What's God asking you? What's God speaking to you that, that doesn't make sense? Because here's the, here's the real question, okay? When did we lose our childlike faith in God? When did we lose it? And when did we say, it's okay, I will actually settle for less than what's on the other side of that wall? Right? Because that's what they could have said. The God could have said, Joshua could have said, God, I'm sorry, this doesn't make sense. You want us to march around a bunch of times and blow a horn and scream and yell and walls are gonna come down? Yeah, God, we're good. I'm out. We'll settle for what's on this side of the wall. And here's the deal, I don't know what your wall is. You know, maybe your wall is your health. You know, let's just be real. Maybe you are looking in the mirror and you're like, I don't like what I see anymore. You know, listen, I, I looked at my back the other day and I was like, there is hair? And I'm like, God, have you cursed me? Like, God, what are you doing to me right now? I'm like. 
Like, where did this come from? Can I get an amen from anybody, right? You're like, I'm, I'm tired all the time? You know, like, wh- when did it become possible to just, like, literally take a nap at 1 o'clock in the afternoon? Right? You're like, I, I, I don't feel good. I'm in pain. And you think, like, the enemy has just totally destroyed my health. And the Lord's going, I need you to do some things differently because on the other side of this wall is victory. There's victory for you, right? Or maybe, how about this? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you're just looking at heaps of big debt. Just big debt. Maybe you're looking at car loans and you're like, wow, I probably shouldn't have taken that loan. Maybe you're looking at credit card debt and you're like, Man, I don't even remember the purchases that we made on these cards that put us in this spot. But you're like, I don't know, God, is there victory on the other side? Maybe your wall is broken relationships. You're like, God, it is so hard to forgive. It's so hard to believe the best. Can I just say, we need to believe the best in other people when, when, they, when they make mistakes. Stop judging them so quick. Stop being the judge and the jury and the sentencing. Like, just believe in people. Believe God's best for other people. Amen? I, I don't know what your wall is, but, but here's what I know. You feel like, God, I can't do this in my strength. And God goes, exactly. I never called you to do it in your strength. I never called you to do it in your grace. I never called you to do it in your ability. I never called you to do that. This is what Zechariah says. Zechariah verse, well, chapter four, verse six, it says, and then he said to me, not by might nor by power, but my spirit, says the Lord. Amen? He goes, it's my job. You just gotta partner with me. There's victory on the other side of the wall. And God's gonna go, I'm gonna do some uncomfortable things in your life. I'm gonna ask you to do some uncomfortable things. But if you'll trust me, it'll be my spirit that graces you. It'll be my spirit that strengthens you. It'll be my spirit that brings the victory. Woo! I don't know if y'all are getting this this morning. Point number two is this new perspective. John chapter 11, verse 17. Now when they arrived at Bethany, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. See, Jesus got word that his friend had died or was sick and was going to die. And you would think that Jesus' response would be to drop everything and go run to his friend, but he didn't do that. He actually told the disciples, he said, he goes, our friend is asleep. And they're like, "Uh, Jesus, I I don't know what your thought of sleeping is, but our thought of sleeping is different than your thought of sleeping because this dude is not sleeping. This dude is actually dead. And Jesus goes, no, 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 he's just just asleep. He's just resting. He's just resting his eyes. You ever looked at somebody and they're just, I mean, they're asleep, but you're like, I don't know if they're asleep. They might be dead. Like, they literally might be dead right now, right? They're like, this just drool down the side of their face, you know. 
Verse 19, many friends of Mary and Martha came to the region to console them over the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she stepped out to meet him. Martha said to Jesus, my Lord, if you had only come sooner, oh my gosh, how many of us have ever felt this way before? God, if you would have only come sooner. God, if you would have just been here a little sooner, right? I mean, Martha's response is like, brah. Brah. Brah, where you been, brah? Right? This is where she's at. She's like, Bro, where, where have you been? He's dead. And not just a little dead. Like, four days dead. Where have you been? Verse 32. When Mary found out that Jesus was in the village, she came, fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if you would have only been here, I think so many of us are right there today. God, where have you been? God, if you would have only been here. But remember what Jesus said to the disciples. He's only asleep. See, they perceived that he was dead. And then that makes you ask yourself, what do you perceive as dead? Did you hear it in the testimony today? They thought their marriage was dead. Right? The enemy had convinced them, this is dead. This is over. There's no hope. Your children are gonna reap the, the consequences of this decision? It's dead. What are you perceiving in your life today that you think is dead? What's dead in your life today? What is, it's over. You know, like we had a good run, 14 years, th you know, three kids, a dog in a house, but it, it's over, right? Like we did it, we tried it, it's over. What's dead? Is it, is it your dream? Did a dream die that you thought God gave you? Is it a dream for your family? Is it a dream for your life? Is it a dream for a business? What's dead? What's over? Is, is it hope for your kids that you think like, oh, my kids will never love Jesus this way? My kids, listen, that was my story. Everybody thought, for sure, I was the kid coming drunk to church, passing out in church on Sunday mornings. Everybody thought, there's no hope for that kid. There's no hope for him. They told my family that all the time. You, you gotta kick him out of the house. What's dead? Do you think your future's dead? Do you think that the life that you were dreaming for is dead? Maybe it's a diagnosis 
that you received and you're like, I, it's just so dark and it's so deep and I have no idea how it could ever be healed or restored. What's dead? What do you perceive today as dead? Because I can assure you this, that Jesus does not see it that way. He actually loves dead things. I know that you look at it and you think it looks dead, it smells dead, I've lost all hope. But I want you to hear the words of Jesus. This is your God, this is your King, this is your Savior, this is what he says. In verse 25, he says, Martha. And, and listen, I want you to hear this the right way. This isn't Martha, I'm upset. Martha, I'm disappointed. Martha, I can't believe this. This is Martha. He's going, Martha, with compassion in his eyes, with love in his heart. He's just trying to wake her up. You ever been in like a trance? You ever been in like, like the enemy's got you so in depression and so into anger and so into fear? It's like a trance you're in and you're like, you don't even, you don't even realize. You can't even see what God's trying to do. And God goes, Martha, Martha, you don't have to wait. See, she thinks, she thinks, I'm gonna have to wait to see my brother again, right? And Jesus goes, you don't have to wait. He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am. And when Jesus says this, he makes a powerful statement. He says, I am resurrection. Meaning what? I am superior to life. Things in life might die. Things in life might end, but in my resurrection power, I can bring all things back to life because I'm above death. I hold the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I am victorious, and as long as you have me, you'll be victorious. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Resurrection has the power to conquer all things. Anything you think is dead, resurrection power from Jesus. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says this, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. Isn't that a great word? Never doubt it. Never doubt his mighty power. Never lose hope. Never lose your faith. Never lose your way. Keep seeking him. Keep coming to him. Keep talking to him. Keep coming to the throne of grace. Never lose hope in the mighty power. It says this, he will infinitely achieve more than your greatest requests, more than your most unbelievable dreams. Exceed your wildest imagination. He'll outdo all of them for his miraculous power consistently energizes you. What energizes you? What gives you hope? His power, his hope, his joy. Ephesians 1:19. I pray that you will consistently experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available through what? Through faith, through faith. That's how it happens, through faith. 
Back to verse 21. This is what faith does. When you have faith, and God's looking for faith, it says this, now we offer up to God all the glorious praise. Why do we, yeah, you guys come on up. Why, why do we offer up all the glorious praise? Because in praise, we're actually praising from a place that hasn't actually happened yet. We're praising from a place in our spirit that we've seen God give us the victory. I may not have the victory physically right now, but that's okay because I know that his resurrection power is at work. I know that he gave me a vision. I know that he spoke to me. I know that this day will change. I know we will get to the other side. I know he will part the seas. I know that he will rescue me in the fire. I know this. And so I'm going to actually praise from that place. That place is a different place of praise. That's a, that's a praise of faith and hope and joy and peace because you know that God's got it. Amen? So I want you to stand up and we're going to praise. We're going to praise. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to raise your hands to heaven. And I want you to tell the Lord what you think is dead. Tell him what you think is dead. Surrender it at his feet. Whatever you think, God, how can this be? How could this happen? How can this change? Surrender it to him. Say, Lord, I give it to you. I release it to you. God, I thank you that you are my God. I thank you, God, that you're with me and you're for me and you're not against me. God, I thank you that you lead us to victory through Christ Jesus. God, I thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I thank you that you're Jehovah Rapha, my healer, God. God, I thank you that this area of my life that looks dead, this area that I have no hope, I've had no joy, I've had no peace. God, I surrender it to you right now. I lay it at your feet, Jesus, and I give it to you. Hey, Lord, now I choose to praise. Jesus, I choose to lift you up. Jesus, I choose to honor you and to worship in faith. I choose it now. Amen, God, we love you.